Welcome to this Life I Live in Truth podcast, a podcast about living life authentically. Each week, we deliver the best stories from individuals who have decided with intention to live authentic lives. Now, here's your host, Jesse Belizel. All right. So our guest this evening, where do I even begin? When I say to you I am channeling big sis vibes right now, it's because I am. I am so proud to introduce our guest this evening. She is the author of the book, Victory, Speaker, and Entrepreneur. This evening, she has agreed to join us in conversation to dive into a really controversial subject among the black and brown community. Today, we are going to unpack colorism and spend some time highlighting all the amazing things our guest is doing. All right, I know, I've kept y'all in suspense long enough. Humble to introduce the intelligent, the loving, my kinfolk, my Zoe, my fellow Zoe, <laughs> called Dean Lewis. Welcome Hi, everybody. Dean. Hi, Jesse. Thank you for having me. It's actually <laughs> Louise. Everybody does that, but it's okay. <laughs> Carl D. Louise. Louise is my middle name. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just really so grateful that our schedules were able to align because it was this was kind of like really quickening the moment, you know, like the way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. our meeting today really um, presented itself was you posted on social on Facebook the other day, and I got mm-hmm. up in your comments, and I was like, yo, sis, we need to talk. And you was like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for being so responsive and so quick because, you know, the urgency, there is so much urgency regarding this topic, um, mm-hmm. especially considering all that we are highlighting as it relates to Black Lives Matter. Um, Mm -hmm. I really think that um, people, this topic is really controversial because for some people it's like, it's considered that we're basically airing our dirty laundry. It's like the dirty laundry among the black and brown community, African American, however you want to identify yourself. but I really think it's necessary. Um, it's time that we discuss it. It's not something that we need to continue to slip under the rug, um, especially now, because we cannot be screaming Black Lives Matter without also analyzing and looking deeply and truly at our own individual biases towards not just ourselves, but our fellow brothers and sisters. Yes, 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 I agree. Absolutely. So I know before we kind of dive in, I think it'd be really beneficial for our listeners who, you know, this word is kind of like a word they've heard before, but they don't necessarily know what it means. Um, So I'm going to briefly describe colorism and then talk a little bit about the brief history and its origin. And then we'll go right into questions. How does that sound? 
Sounds good. I can't wait. All right. So um, way back when, when I was in school, uh, for a lot of my listeners who don't know, I have an academic background in all things Africana studies. So for my undergrad, shout out to the University of Rhode Island. Um, I obtained my bachelor's degree um, in African-American studies with a concentration in sociology. And then I later went on to grad school at Howard University. Big shout out to the Bison. Um, and got my master's in African studies and research with a concentration in public policy and development. So this is my jam. You know how people be like, I know what my jam is? Like, this is it. Um, mm -hmm. So I read a really um, influential book. Um, it is called The Color Complex, The Politics of Skin Color Among African Americans. Um, it's a multi-authored book. Um, by Kathy Russell, Midge Wilson, as well as Ronald Hall. So colorism, the term, be was believed to first be coined in 1982, uh, way before Caldine and I were born, <laughs> um, <laughs> by Pulitzer Prize winner Alice Walker. Um, and Alice Walker, in her definition of colorism, she defines the term as prejudicial or preferential treatment of same race, same race people based solely on their color. So I'm going to repeat that again. So colorism, according to Alice Walker, um, is prejudicial. Prejudicial. What are, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or right, right. preferential treatment of same race people based solely on their color. So now that we have shared understanding, Caldine, how has colorism or how does colorism present itself in your life personally? Oh man, I don't even know where to start, honestly. Um so I guess for context for the you know, listeners to understand, so I'm a light light skinned um Haitian American. Um, so that they could, you know, um, kind of understand he the context me, of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, the first experience that I could think of that comes right to my head, um, back in college, my older brother had done this ancestry test. Um, we were just curious to know more about our ancestry, our roots, you know. And so the results came back in. And so uh, 89 89, okay, percent of our ancestry comes from Africa and 11% from Europe. So I was telling, you know, a, well, at that time, my friend, you know, after this experience, was, things were a little awkward between us, but um, a friend of mine, she's dark-skinned, um, Haitian as well, and I told her the results, and she was like, oh, that's why you light-skinned? 11% of your ancestry comes from Europe? Oh, you think you perfect? Oh, and I'm like, I was just like, that's very ignorant because we're both Haitian. We both have French last names. So where do you think our last names come from? You know, so for her to kind of refer to my complexion and just kind of use the word perfect in the same um, conversation was, you know, it was very awkward. Um, so that's one experience. Um, another experience would hands down be within dating. Uh, I remember like two years ago, 
um, this dude, he was trying to holler or whatever. And he would make, like, several remarks about me being light-skinned. It was kind of uncomfortable to the point where I was like, okay, does he have, like, a fetish? Like, what's, like, what's going on? And after that, like, I started noticing he would only refer to me as light-skinned. Like, literally, he would not call me by my name. And so I was like, okay, if you can't say Carl Dean, then you can call me by my nickname. Some of my friends call me Cece. So I'm like, you can call me Cece. And he refused. He just had to call me light skin. And I'm just like, yo, oh like, what's up with that? So obviously, uh, you know, I cut that, I cut him off. There was no way I was going to continue, you know, with that. Um, and so another example would be like sometimes people, they'll make remarks about my texting skills. Like my texting is okay, but sometimes it's not the greatest, you know, life can get busy, but I'm better off like giving me a call or FaceTiming me. But people have made remarks about, oh, you don't, you didn't text me back because you light skin, like light skin girls don't know how to text back quick. And like, what does my <laughs> complexion <laughs> have to do with my texting skills? <laughs> like, oh what? my like, gosh. It's so crazy. I'm like, and sometimes I think to myself, okay, if I wasn't light-skinned and I was busy, would you still make remarks? You know, it's it's interesting. And uh, last but not least, hands down, it will have to be like, sometimes I feel like when you are light-skinned, you can't be confident. Like, by God's grace, I'm confident. You know, obviously it's a journey. Sometimes, you know, insecurities might come out here and there. But at the end of the day, you know, I love how I look. And so I love how God created me to be, but I feel like sometimes when, like, a light-skinned woman might post a picture in a confident way, like, we're seen as a sex symbol, but if I was dark-skinned, I would be seen as a black queen. So a lot of it is rooted, you know, into slavery where, you know, being light-skinned and you might have a figure or maybe you might not have a figure. Whatever it is, if you just show confidence, it's not seen as confidence. It's seen as, oh, she's a sex symbol. Sex symbol is just whatever, even in music videos. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot. But that's just some of my um, experience. Oh, my goodness. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Caldine, but, like, I, I guess I'm super confused because, like, I kept telling people all along when I was growing up, when they would tell me I was light-skinned, I was like, no, 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 your girl is caramel, okay? Right. Um, And, like, I'm like, what's the cutoff? Because it's like, I'm, you know, I love my melanin, and especially in the summer, like, I I darken and I welcome it and I love Mm -hmm. it. Um, but yeah, um, I just had this discussion with, um, my book club the other day because we are reading Gabrielle Union's book. Um, the title, I always mess it up, but the book that she came out with like two years ago about drinking wine. Um, but anywho, the book is phenomenal. And just the other day we were, um, discussing and unpacking the discussion about colorism and, um, it's just so interesting how layered um, the conversation is and how everybody's experience is different. And I just remember my mm-hmm. contribution to the group was um, it just seems like when you are light skinned, which, you know, I push back against that because I'm like, you know, it really don't matter. Like, I don't care what you have to say. 
But I think for me, you know, how colorism showed up in my life because of the area of subject that I chose to really dig into, um, it was mm -hmm. almost as if the knowledge that I had that there was no validity behind it because of my skin mm -hmm. tone. Like, oh, here's a light-skinned girl trying to be, like, all militant, know her history, like, oh, no. Um, and oh, my just, goodness. I don't know. We got to do better. Um, Definitely. How would you say um, you have recalled colorism um, being perpetuated in industries, um, especially as it relates to beauty, sports, film, social media? media outlets, um, how do you think it, it shows up in those spaces? Honestly, I blame, like, the media. Yes, slavery is the root, but media has made it worse. So if you look at, you know, rap videos or even, like, um, music from, like, different genres, they're usually, like, the love interest is usually a light-skinned woman, usually. Um, Another example is we're always seen as, like, the gold digger. Like, light-skinned women are seen as the gold digger, more feminine. And then when they portray a dark-skinned woman, she's seen as more aggressive. And it's just not fair. It's very it's, – I feel like it's uncalled for, and that's what's causing more and more of the divide um, amongst mm -hmm. each other and how we portray each other. Um, and so um, even in – like job opportunities, you'll see that, like in the, um, how can I say this? Like corporate America, basically, you'll see that they'll they'll try to hire the black people, but it'll mostly be light skinned black people. And I find that a lot of you know darker skinned black people might find that you know be jealous about it, kind of hate us for it. But how I see it is, speak up about it. Speak up and say this is not right. Don't sit there and cause more of the divide by causing jealousy, but speak up about it and be like, hey, you know, what about us? Because at the end of the day, when they do hire mostly light skins in whatever industry, what people don't understand is they're just kind of doing it just as like a, um, like, hey, we're not racist. Look at us. We hire black people. No, you don't own, like, you only hire a specific kind of black person. Um, so that's how I see it. Um, it's never really in a positive, really light in how they portray us, um, whether you're dark skin or light skin. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I know we're not really diving into this topic, but I think um, the discussion regarding colorism kind of bleeds into um, the black experience, right? So mm -hmm. I know for you and I, our experiences. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think you can correct me. But our experiences have been different because we are coming from another country, um, the Caribbean, you know, Haiti. We're coming in from another country. So our experience versus a black American's experience where all of their family has kind of like been here um, mm -hmm. has been different. And I find that uh, white people tend to be more... Um, they really switch up really quick. Like once they're once they know you're not Black American, they're like, I knew there was something different about you. Um, <laughs> it's almost as if like they, yeah, absolutely. It's almost as if they're like, oh, um, this is the safe Black person, you know? 
Um, they've mm. migrated here from another country. You know, they know the value of hard work. Um, and we even see that um, being perpetuated, like, within, like, our upbringing and our parents and, like, how they view other black people. Like, you know, they say a lot of disparaging things, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't even really even know if it's, like, intentional, but they want mm-hmm. so much for the sacrifices that they've made to not be mm-hmm. in vain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So some of the examples that you gave, like, we can absolutely see um, colorism being perpetuated in a number of industries, um, especially beauty, sports, film, social media, and um, other outlets I'm sure we haven't mentioned. Um, that's why a few years ago when Lupita Nyong'o won an Oscar um, and was on the cover of many magazines crushing it, um, that is really when we... Do you like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss a show. I want to take a moment. I know we're having fun discussing colorism. I want to take a moment and I want to invite you to the passion, I'm sorry, to the purpose and passion tour presented by Ebony Moncho. It's an event for all attendees who are honestly just tired of being held back by their excuses, who really want better for their lives, and who are finally ready to do something different to get it. The Purpose and Passion Tour is really designed to encourage attendees to eliminate mental roadblocks and to really create action plans so that they can walk in their divine purpose. So if you're interested in attending the virtual online event, will be held this coming Saturday, July 11th, 2020, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. So it will be 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So to register, I want you to visit www.purpose, spelled P-U-R, P-O-S-E, and spelled out A-N-D, passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N tour, T-O-U-R dot com. So that's www.purposeandpassiontour.com. Being that I'll be one of the speakers, I just want to say right now, I can't wait to see you there. Now back to the show. This idea of, you know, beauty standards, we started to reevaluate it and we see that uh, we are making small strides, but we still have so much farther to go, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So being that you've been light-skinned all your life, you know, um, do <laughs> yeah. you think that there is such a thing as light-skinned and dark-skinned privilege? And if so, um, can you recall what some of them Maybe if you can't speak to the dark skin privileges, speak specifically to the light skin privileges. That's a really, really great question. Uh, I just want to say I agree with you on um, the aspect of like ethnicity and heritage. Because though I was born and raised here in America, you know, my parents came from Haiti like in the 80s, 
So even though it's like you're American, but at the same time, at the end of the day, my heritage was running through my veins is Haitian. So when people get to know you, they're like, oh, yeah. So I can agree with you on on that. When people get to know you, they see that there's a slight um, difference in how they treat you um, goes based off of that. But um, to answer your question, privilege, again, like I said before, it's like as a light-skinned black woman, Yes, the privilege is, okay, I could get that job opportunity or, like, multiple job opportunities, but at the end of the day, is it really, like, something to be ooh-hoo-hoo-yay about because you're just put on display just so that the company doesn't look racist? Sometimes they're just using you so that they don't look racist. I'm not implying that all companies are like that, but for the most right. part, sometimes that's, that's what they do. Because I remember I worked at a job where literally I witnessed it and where every single black person that was in like a high position was of lighter skin. I saw maybe one dark skinned man with locks in the entire like workplace. I was like, that's crazy. So um, as far as the privilege, yes, we get the opportunities, but I think we should kind of start questioning it and to see are they just using us so that they don't look racist. As far as um, dark skin privilege, sadly, they don't have that much privilege. That's why we just talk about it. Um, they're not seen as valuable. They're not seen as beautiful. Um, I think that now there's a bit more awakening, like you'll find um, a lot of pages talking about, you know, um, like chocolate or dark skin beauty. Like, so now you kind of find more and more people trying to talk about it a bit more, but I feel like there's more work to do. Um, I think as far as what works in their advantage is they're always seen as black. Like, so for example, someone who's light skin, you're not black enough. So that can kind of mess with our self-esteem because we're like, okay, we are black though. But for them, no, they're like the real black. So they could like, quote unquote, represent us in a way. Like sometimes the media does that where they're put on display to represent like black, black, which is ignorant because we're right, all black, right, right. if that makes any sense. So I guess in that right, aspect, right. they have that privilege. Um, I also want to say, I think that we kind of don't address men in the how they are affected by colorism. So, for example, a dark-skinned man, he's... It's interesting because I feel like dark-skinned men are seen as a sex symbol in the, in the same way that a light-skinned woman is seen as a sex symbol. And then a light-skinned man, he's just seen as, oh, he's soft, like, he's whatever. Like, they're overlooked in a way. Um, so I think we... Yeah. I think we gotta need to address Or they'd be like, oh, he's like, a Drake. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wow. Like, so... Definitely, there's there's just so much work to be done. It's so sad. Like I was actually Drake, having... if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> oh my god, I was actually um having a conversation with a couple of um friends and stuff, and a few family members, and I was trying to kind of dissect where does this come, from? like really where does it come from the these stereotypes, and if you think about it, in slavery days. The dark skins, they were in the field while the light skins were in the house. So my question is how, like, translating it into modern day, if you're in the home most of the time, that's seen as doing domestic work, quote, unquote, maybe feminine 
how people might portray, you know, feminine work. And if you're a light-skinned man being a servant or whatever task he had in the home, did that begin that stereotype of, oh, light-skinned men are soft and light-skinned women are more feminine since the dark skins were in the field doing the hardcore work? Is that is that where, you know, it comes from, mm-hmm. basically? So, oh, my goodness. That's my take on it. As you are talking, Caldine, I literally just thought about something that I've never really thought about before. So mm-hmm. you know how you're talking about the dark skin who are out in the fields working hard. Most likely they were staying in a cottage where they got to stay with their family, right? Right, right. Where the light skinned, they were kind of separated from their family. And who mm. knows what was happening in the house? We know for sure mm. When um, white women bear children, sometimes they couldn't even be bothered to nurse. And so that's a whole other topic to discuss. And so just imagine a child that you did not birth nursing somebody else's child. And who knows the sexual abuse that they went through. So what I'm thinking about now, fast forward now, just the level of guilt that white people feel because they know and actually know what they did to the light-skinned people and how much of their children that they, like, disowned. Oh, my gosh. I'm just kind of, like, thinking about this right now, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. My mind is blown right now. Um, Wow. Wow. So it, it might be, like, this kind of, like, subconscious, like, I feel guilty, so I need to... Um, be kinder to them. This is all, listeners, listen, this is me, like, my brain goes a mile a minute, and this is me kind of, like, thinking out loud. Um, So, as always, everybody that listens, I always encourage you to um, do your research, make your final thoughts. Um, So, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up, because we we are hopefully... um, igniting conversations on the couches and, you know, in the parking lot of cars where people are having these discussions. Um, So I see our time is kind of running quickly. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think you or I can personally do to A, heal from colorism? Mm-hmm. And two, I said A, A and two, listen, let me try. <laughs> you're good, you're good. A, heal from colorism, and B, end colorism. So mm. if you can just provide some insight on either of those two things or both, that would be great. I think first is one of the steps to the healing process is even first acknowledging that you need to be healed, first acknowledging your wounds, first acknowledging some of maybe the trauma that you face, talking about it. I'm a big fan of going to therapy. Um, So this conversation going on right now that you took that first step to be like, hey, we need to discuss this, that's amazing because it is a topic that no one really wants to talk about. We all talk about racism, but are we talking about colorism as well? Um, so I think having that open conversation is like literally the 
biggest and first step that we all need to do. And as far as um, ending it, it's, it's going to take some time. Um, I don't have, like, the final answer to that. I think there's two aspects. Like, one thing as a Christian, from a spiritual aspect, I would say, obviously, you know, when Jesus comes, it's all going to be over. But as far as a social aspect and as far as the fact that, you know, we're still on this earth, um, it's literally sitting down and listening to each other. So I've done that before. Like, I have some of my friends who are dark skinned and they share their experiences and they listen to my experiences and just go back and forth and it helps us get a better understanding of each other because there is a misconception that, you know, light skinned black people don't go through anything. And then there's a another misconception that dark skinned black people don't have it that bad when they actually do. So um so yeah, I think it just boils down to just having an open conversation and just really talking about it and, you know, showing um, sympathy, empathy, and just really just talking, honestly. That's that's the way we're going to do it. And if someone is in the position of a of power or have a platform, use that to your advantage. So, for example, myself, I have a platform. So that's why, you know, God had placed it on my heart like, hey, address this. And I did. And me obeying to that and addressing it on my platform you know, it, it caused a conversation. It, 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 um, it inspired you to hit, you know, to hit me up and talk about it. So if you have a platform, any listeners, they have a platform or you're a writer, whatever it is, use that to your advantage and, and talk about it. Absolutely. So you said some really um, poignant things. You said, you know, first we need to really identify um, when we need to kind of you know, I'm adding this part, but when we need to kind of check ourselves, when we're about to be like somebody just has a baby and they're like, let me see the ears. Let's see what color they're going to end up being. Like, Mercy. why does that have to matter? Why does that even have to be a thing? Mm-hmm. Like, look at their knuckles. Like, just really strange things. So kind of like catch yourself when you when you feel like you're about to um, give this thing life. Um, and mm-hmm. then the other thing um, you spoke about is education and really using your platform to further the discussion on the topic. Um, I think mm-hmm. the better we are able to really understand and share our experiences, the more we're going to realize, like, hey, we can really do without this. We have enough to worry about, like racism. Right. Um, systemic racism, how there are systems set in place that are meant to oppress us. Um, I think that is something that we need to stand united so that we can really tackle and dismantle so that our future and our future's future uh, can really have a better quality of life. Um, I am entirely grateful for the time we spent today. So I want to give the last few moments to you to kind of share with our listeners a little bit about you, some projects you got in the work, and how people can stay connected with you. Okay. Um, So you can follow me on Instagram at carldine underscore louise at c-a-r-l-d-i-n-e underscore l-o-u-i-s-e um i do have a second book that i'm working on i haven't even announced it to 
actually publicly like this. So this is crazy. This is like the listen, listen, listen. <laughs> this is the first we, we breaking platform. news here. Cover story. Okay, <laughs> that's Second crazy. In the words. Congrats. Yes, yes, yes. God is good. I'm I'm excited about it. Um, only told like that's maybe amazing. two or three people in the private like kind of amongst ourselves but publicly it's my first like public, all right Caldine listen um, I'm gonna hold you accountable now you done put it out in the universe so you know <laughs> you gotta get that discipline make sure you're writing a little bit each day from one writer to another you know it's not yes. easy um but it's definitely yes. always worth it right yes definitely um hell yeah I'm working on that book and yes so everything else, I guess I could say, you just have to stay tuned for more. That's how I am. I kind of move in silence a little bit. So that's, that's what I was yeah, saying Yeah, I'm now. with you. Yes. I'm with you. All right. So Carl Dean, author of Victory, has another book in the works right now. She already told you how y'all can get connected with her on socials. And I will definitely share that in the link below. Um, which you guys will see on whatever platform you're listening to. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, Until next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on this Life I Live in Truth podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.thislifeiliveintruth.com, where you can stay connected and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on any and all platforms, or for you to simply tell a friend. Feel free to also check out our e-course, Finding Your Purpose. Until next time, listeners. Cancel the noise and seek the truth that is often found in the light.